When people in the Midlands want to talk, they talk to Will Faulkner. Good morning. How are you? It's Thursday. Christmas is getting ever closer. And I hope you're all sorted. But if you're not, still plenty of prizes available today on the Midlands 103 Advent Calendar. Also on the agenda, when the Garda station is practically next door, why do you have to wait an hour and 20 minutes for a response? A Christmas market reopens in County Leash after burglars tried to kill Christmas. And Josef Pushka's wife has been sent forward for trial, accused of withholding information during the early stages of the investigation into Ashling Murphy's murder. She and others. The details from 20 past 10 today. When you call 0818 300 103 is my number. You can text or WhatsApp 083 30 10 103 powered by Lamb Brothers Toyota in Tullamore. Now, let's see what's on the front pages this morning. The Irish Independent tells us how hospitals are trying to clear out patients ahead of the very busy Christmas period. So those who are perhaps convalescing in hospital and who could be transferred to step-down facilities like nursing homes, there's going to be an effort to try and clear as many beds as possible because Christmas is notoriously busy in hospitals. We drink a bit more, we tend to trip and fall, it's colder, there's more respiratory virus and and other bugs on the go. So that's the main story on the Irish Independent. On the front of the Irish Daily Star, Ashling's killer's wife and brothers in court. So... Five people appeared in court yesterday and one of them is Lucia Ishokova who uh, is the wife of Josef Poshka but also two of his brothers Marek and Lubomir Poshka and those three are charged with withholding information that could have led to the prosecution of the school teacher's killer in 2022. And there are two others who appeared before the court as well. Moving then to the Irish Times. UK angry at Irish court challenge to Troubles legacy law. And, and actually a little bit of good news on the environment because sometimes you feel like you're constantly getting a lecture on how we need to do more and more and more to avert climate change. It's nice to hear that what has been done already is making an impact. So the Environment Minister Eamon Ryan told the Cabinet yesterday that there was a 4 to 5% reduction in emissions during 2023, despite a growing economy and a rising population in Ireland. And that is about twice the progress that was made in 2022. So what's driving this change? Well, Coal use was down by 50% and fossil fuel use in power generation declined by 80% because wind generation and solar generation have accelerated. 
so says the Irish Times on its front page. About time for this one. The ban comes into effect tomorrow on the sale of vapes and e-cigarettes to children. So right now, technically, it is not illegal to sell a vape to an under 18. I have an 8 and a 10 year old at home. They could walk into the shop, buy those vapes, not break the law, nor indeed would the vendor. But as of tomorrow, the person who sells the vaping products to children will be fined anywhere up to €4,000 or will spend six months in prison. So, at last, they're treating vapes with the same seriousness as cigarettes. And in a statement, the Health Minister Stephen Donnelly said he was pleased to bring this ban into effect before Christmas. And I suppose the question, of course, is will the word get out? Because news agents are very familiar with the requirements of selling tobacco because they can't sell to under-18s. But many of the vaping shops, they don't sell the cigarettes. They don't necessarily follow the same rules. So the word has to get out and the enforcement has to take place. And that's the missing piece of the puzzle. Elsewhere, Enoch Burke is featured in the Irish Times today, the teacher who lost his job at Wilson's Hospital School in Multifarnham in County Westmeath following his refusal to address a transgender pupil with the pronoun they, or indeed to use their new name. And he is appealing the decision to terminate his employment and he objected to the panel having Kieran Christie among its members and there will be three people on this panel to assess his appeal. Kieran Christie is the General Secretary of the Association of Secondary Teachers in Ireland. So that's the union that would represent teachers in many second-level schools, the TUI, of course, being the other. And Mr Burke claimed that Kieran Christie was an activist for transgenderism, that the ASTI, under his leadership, had become a vehicle for the promotion of transgenderism. But Mr Justice Conor Dignam was satisfied that a reasonable person would not have an apprehension that Mr Christie is personally or objectively biased. What Mr uh, Burke had argued is that Kieran Christie had presented an ASTI Achievement Award to a teacher in Cork who helped a group of students establish a sexuality and gender acceptance group in their school. And that he had worked with Transgenderism Equality Network of Ireland. And Mr Burke contended this was evidence he was a promoter of transgenderism. But the judge and the court ultimately rejected that. Anyway, more details in the Irish Times today. More locally, the GAA community is mourning the loss of the legendary All-Ireland winning hurler Johnny Flaherty. I heard this news actually when I was chatting with Paul Bell in the brewery tap yesterday. Couldn't believe the news and, and very, very sad. He helped alter the course of Offaly GAA history. He scored that crucial goal at the end of the 1981 All-Ireland Senior Hurling Final. And he brought the Liam McCarthy Cup back to the Midlands. And in many, many tributes being paid to him. 
uh, we hope to include some voices on the programme this morning. And indeed, if you want to send your own text, your own memories, your own sentiments on this very sad occasion, 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp. But tributes to him in the Irish Independent today and I suspect in other papers as well. If you are a fan of Mariah Carey, particularly if you fancy Mariah Carey and you are curious if she's single, yes, she is. She has just split from her boyfriend of seven years, Brian Tanaka. 14-year age gap, by the way. He's 40. She was 54. And apparently, anyway, he wants to have a family. She doesn't. She already has two children with her ex-husband, Nick Cannon. So according to The Sun, she's now single and ready to mingle again. There is another COVID variant in Ireland. Oh, boy. Good news on this. It's of low seriousness. Let's get to that straight away because the Irish Independent has on its uh, article here, what does it mean for Ireland over the festive season and the headings are spreading rapidly, serious illness, cases in Ireland. Well, actually, the World Health Organization says, although it is spreading rapidly, it is a variant of low concern. So it's just one of those other bugs that are unfortunately prevalent at this time of year. And a final story for you. The British Medical Journal has issued a warning over flying champagne corks. So at this time of year, you might be not necessarily opening the bottle of champagne. Could be the Bucks Fizz or the Mimosa on Christmas morning. Well, at Cambridge University, they went through the numbers. They examined the speed of the cork. For instance, it will travel from the bottle at up to 80 kilometres per hour, propelled by CO2. So it will travel from the bottle to your eye in less than 0.5 seconds. And it can damage the eye, causing permanent blindness. Yes, there were 34 cases of eye injuries in the UK arising from Christmas bottle opening. So by those statistics here in Ireland, we should be fairly okay. You can have a good idea. It's something to be careful of. Or or maybe if the in-laws are around and you're not getting on especially well, you could just aim it at them and claim innocence. Anyway, Irish Times if you want to read more today. Who do you want to aim your cork at? 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp. Now let's see what's happening elsewhere around the region and around the world. The plan to ban the sale of vapes to under-18s. How that comes into force. We'll talk about that after 11. Tributes to the late, great Johnny Flaherty. And in just a few minutes' time, Josef Pushka's wife and two of his brothers appear in court. You'll hear more details of that after these. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner with the stories beyond the headlines. Midlands 103 Fabulous prize today on the Midlands 103 Advent Calendar. One night's dinner, bed and breakfast for you and a friend or maybe more than a friend. 
at the Knightsbrook Hotel, Spa and Golf Resort. And you can find out more details at knightsbrook.com. How you win, I shall tell you very, very soon. Law and order going to be a theme this hour because in just a few minutes' time you'll hear about the Christmas market which was broken into in County Leash earlier this week and thankfully is reopening today, but quite a setback. And then only a few days ago you heard John McNamee from Eden Derry describe how the crib, which had been lovingly established by Derry Rovers, again had been absolutely trashed for no good reason. And they only discovered it hours before Santa was due to visit. Anyway, let's move to Athlone. And you would hope when the Garda station is nearby that you would get a rapid response if trouble was breaking out. Well, let's hear from Frankie Keena, who is a member of Westmeath County Council. Frankie, good morning. Good morning, Will. Good morning. Tell us what happened. Yeah, Will, yeah. Well, well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me onto your, your programme, Will. Thank you for that. And, Pleasure. Um, you're, you're, you're talking about the Christmas markets there, Will. We had a very successful Christmas market in Athlone last weekend, well, for four days. And on Monday morning last, kind of after that particular market, we, we, I and four other people were in the vicinity of the city square in Athlone um, dismantling the Christmas markets. This is about quarter past six in the morning because we want to get all that work done before the, the rush starts um, around the clock and the people going, going out to bury lives. So I, thought, I heard a lot of shouting and roaring um, and it echoed throughout the whole kind of the civic square and it echoed throughout Church Street. And indeed, um, after checking it out, I noticed that there were two individuals who were either completely drunk well, or else they were completely out of their mind on illegal drugs. And then shortly after, they started fighting with one another and sparring with another, one another. And to be honest, I had enough at this stage, so I rang the, the Gardaí at 6.58 a.m. looking for assistance to remove these two individuals from the street because they were causing nuisance to, to, to us and to, and to other people as well. And I was answered by a call centre which was elsewhere in the country, uh, who asked for my year code and details which I gave. Mm. And then I, I put you to that on Garda station and they said they'd get somebody over to me as soon as possible. So again, and just for I, people I, who don't know the town, the distance from where you were to the Garda station, if you were on foot even, five minutes? So, uh, 700 metres. Mm. 700 metres. It's, it's, it's a five minutes walk, less to dip across. So I again rang with about seven minutes past seven see when is somebody going to come and in the meantime one of these individuals um, caused damage to a, a business property they pulled a, a water mains pipe off the wall off the wall which had a kind of a heavy gadget on the top of it mm. and in, in in front of that then the, the mains water was spewing out into the main street like a pume and onto the street and um, so I kind of and then the other individual took up a brick and he's using that as his weapon so my car was parked in the civic square because we were using it to load some of the materials on into, into the back of the car. And one chap went one side of the car with the brick and the other side went, went with this other water pipe with the gas in front of it. And the lad with the water pipe was banging my car with, with it, trying to get the other fella. So I was concerned, ran for this sense, so I moved my car out of the way in the middle of the fracas. And again, I rang the guard to see what was happening and decided to get somebody across. So... This, this in turn spewed off onto Church Street and they're shouting and around the fighting. So then, Will, um, at quarter past eight, I was just, I rang the guard and said, what is, what is the reason nobody could come across to, to, to us here in the town? 
And I was informed that an individual, an individual was bleeding from the head and he presented himself to the guard station roughly around half seven on that particular time and that uh, they called an ambulance and uh, he was brought to the hospital. And uh, that kind of even riled me even more because this picture individual, I found out this individual was the, was the chap who was holding the water pipe and, and hitting my car. And he, seemingly, um, obviously he's been bought by ambulance, by taxpayers' money to the ambulance to the hospital. He'll kind of get treated by the medical team down into the hospital and he'll probably get a hot breakfast as well, Will, and in front of causing all this damage. So I, I just said to the guard that this is not really good enough. So they, they came across in the squad car then at around 20 past eight and I explained the situation. So again, it's not good enough and it says really we need to kind of improve our, our situation here in the town for an hour and a half, mm. an hour and 20 minutes waiting for well, the guard. That's what I was about to, to just reiterate. So the initial call that you made to the guard the station was 6.58am. They eventually arrived at 8.20am, some hour and 22 minutes later. That's correct, Will, yeah. Now, now the, the said to me is that a, a chap um, presented um, in between that to, to the station and he said he was in a fracas in Church Street and they thought that was the end of it. But I kind of explained to them, really, we should, we should respond to it and see what damage has done come across to us. But in sharing the story, Will, and thank you for the opportunity to do this, I, like, I'm just have to say I'm annoyed and furious to say that it took that plenty of time to, for the Guardian to come 700 metres across the town to Church Street. And it really, if they came in time, it would have prevented the damage to the business and premises. It would also have saved the taxpayers' money with, and have to kind of get an ambulance medical team to get and to, and to kind of to give them their breakfast so that's what have been saving as well and but also, also if if this, this had escalated and we've had tragically one punch attacks where somebody is hit the wrong way they fall they hit their head a life could be lost when two people start fighting and regardless of who is to blame guardians of peace that's the translation of Angartha Siakana they could respond quickly and prevent matters escalating. And it, it invites a question about how many people were on duty that day. How were they rostered? What other priorities were they contending with? Uh, because obviously by the time this individual had made his way to the Garda station bleeding from the head, that was still more than half an hour after your initial call. That's correct. That's correct, Will. And you're, you're spot on what you're saying, Will. Yeah, like... Even for myself, for my own safety, I had to get into my car in the middle of the fracas, one fellow holding a brick and the other fellow hitting the car to move the car out of the way. I mean, so that in itself, I could have got a serious hit from a brick or whatever. Um, I was told by the guard there was only one squad car on duty um, available. That's all there was uh, available. So for a town of a, a regional growth centre to have only one um, squad car available is not good enough um, in, my, in my eyes. And... Uh, with, with the, the new Garda operational model, we'll, we lost our superintendent in the town. Um, we have no, we've no longer got a superintendent in town solely dedicated to policing in the town. Um, Mullingar has, and fair play to Mullingar, more luck to them, they have two superintendents dealing with daily policing. One is community, community superintendent and the other one is, the, is another superintendent dealing with policing. And the chief superintendent is based over in Navan for the division because we have a new division now, um, Mead, West Mead, under this new Garda operational model. So Athlone, um, which is a regional growth centre, population 25, 26,000, heading towards 30,000 in by 2030 um, without any superintendent dealing with daily policing. We, we, there, there is a superintendent in the town who deals with governance and ethics for the whole division. 
but that particular superintendent has absolutely nothing to do with daily policing um, with, with it's a crime out on the street it's, it's, it's dealt with by Mullingar and to me this is an issue that I have serious concerns with and, and will I've raised this numerous times. Like I'm chair of the Atlantic Awareness Group, and we held two public meetings during, during the last six months in one of the local hotels. Um, large attendance, 50 to 60 at the first one, about 70 to 80 people at the next meeting. Um, spoke about crime, drug dealing, and all that end of it. But we also spoke about this new guard operational model um, situation. And there's a, there's a cry there that Atlantic has been left, it's been sidelined in relation to this. And, and a lot of people, at those meetings, Bill, um, will would have been business people, and they shared the same the same kind of line of thought that I'm talking about here. Like some people might say, this is minuscule. What happened to Frankie Keena in the Civic Square and that's on last Monday morning? That, that's that's fine. I understand that, but I'm just thinking of the business people and the people, the residents, people who are living in the town, in the core of the town, who try to go throughout their daily lives, and their faces this on a daily basis. I mean, to me, that's not good enough. People who are Taxpayers paying the money should get proper law and or, um, law kind of protection, and well, that's not happening at the moment. We will ask Gorthy for a response from Midlands 103, and perhaps there was some unusual event that morning. Somebody phoned in sick, whatever it may be, that explained the lack of response or the slowness of the response. But if it is more systemic, if this is typical, then. Again, that has to be explained and what the rationale is. In the meantime, though, Frankie Keena, have a great Christmas and thank you for taking our call today. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Will. And I want to compliment you and all the team in Midlands 103 for fabulous coverage over 2023. And I have a good Christmas and take care and stay safe. Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. Councillor Frankie Keena, who is a member of Westmeath County Council. And I'm looking at texts already and feel free to send yours what sort of Gartha response time you experienced in your hour of need, whether they were there very promptly or whether it was somewhat lacking. And again, how thinly spread they may be needs to be investigated too. 083 30 10 103 on text and on WhatsApp. Now, in just a few minutes, I'll tell you what happened in court yesterday when five people appeared in connection with the investigation into Ashling Murphy's murder. Also, how a Christmas market will thankfully reopen today after three men broke in and tried to steal the spirit of Christmas, if nothing else. It's time for the latest Community Diary with Tommy Solicitors at Loan, one of the largest, longest established and most respected firms of solicitors in the Midlands. Schlieve Bloom's sponsored walk in aid of Leash Hospice Foundation takes place in Clonaslee on St. Stephen's Day. Volunteers are needed if you have a little time to spare and they will serve refreshments in the community centre afterwards. So check out Clonaslee St. Stephen's Day walk on Facebook for details. Leash Offaly Education and Training Board runs drop-in clinics for form filling and digital online support every Monday in Tullamore Library from 10 until 12 and in Port Leash Library Tuesday mornings 10 until 12. It's for free and it's a confidential service. You don't need an appointment. It's a drop-in facility. Want to brush up on your writing, maths or computer skills? Talk to your local adult learning service. 
if you're in Leash on 057 86 61 338 or in Offaly it's 057 93 49 4 or in either county L-O-E-T-B on Facebook Ross Core Clinic treats and supports RSV, flu, pneumonia, bronchitis, COPD, as well as a range of digestive, skin, muscle and joint issues, plus cancer support and general women's, men's, children's and infants' health. With evening appointments available, contact Emmett Walsh or Eva Rafalowska 057 or see medicalherbalist.ie. Now, if there's something happening in your area, and I failed to mention it, Dispense the slaps on 057 93 51333. Or indeed, you can email diary at midlands103.com. The Community Diary, with thanks to Tormi Solicitors, experienced in the areas of law that affect people on a day-to-day basis. Tormies.ie. The home of the Midlands Today Show. Right here. Let's turn it up. Monday to Friday from 9am. To update you on developments in court yesterday, Josef Pushka's wife has now been sent forward for trial, accused of withholding information during the early stages of the investigation into Ashling Murphy's murder. His two brothers and their wives have also been sent forward for trial on charges relating to the alleged obstruction of the Gartha investigation. And as you know, last month, Josef Pushka was found guilty of the murder of the 23-year-old schoolteacher along the banks of the Grand Canal in Tullamore almost two years ago. Pushka's wife, Lucia Ishtokova, is accused of withholding information from Gorthy that could have secured the apprehension, prosecution or conviction of Josef Pushka for Ashling's murder. His brothers, Lubomir and Marek are facing the same charge, which is alleged to have taken place at Tullamore Garda Station in the days after the killing. Both of Lubomir and Marek's wives will also appear in court accused of impeding Josef Pushka's apprehension or prosecution. And they're alleged to have done that at Pushka's home in Mukla sometime between the day Ashling was murdered, and the 14th of January, which was two days later. And the Director of Public Prosecutions has directed that all five be sent forward for trial at the Central Criminal Court. So we will keep you updated as that progresses as well. A Christmas market will reopen here in the Midlands days after a break-in. Tuesday morning, three men entered the underground car park at Leash County Council buildings in Port Leash, where the market was being held. And they stole coffee machines, blenders, hi-fi equipment, with an estimated value of around €2,000, although the true amount is actually getting higher as the count continues. The market was closed in the last two days following that burglary, but it is reopening today and the organisers really hope that you can support and help them bounce back. The chairperson of Leash Taste, one of the core organisers, Brian Brennan, 
has been telling Midlands 103's Rachel Timoney that everybody involved is shocked. So I, I suppose to, 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 to start with Monday... Uh, went as we we had planned. It was um, um, finished up quite enough. We had the the clean up, and uh, I was the last man leaving, so I just closed down, and um, um, all lights was off, and everything was 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 quiet. Um, there was no more about anything until uh, on the, about nine o'clock on 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 Tuesday morning, the council rang me to be the business support unit rang to say that there was have to be a break in. So went across and uh, lo and behold, it was it was uh, the, the the roller door um, at the steps was jacked and um, uh, they, they got in under the corner of it enough and into the horror of what was in there, which was the stuff pulled around a bit, but the uh, equipment from um, Sakota Coffees from Carrick Hill Coffee uh, all gone, everything gone. But the 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 strategic way they 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 stole it was um they they unscrewed everything they didn't break any any of the fittings they didn't um uh, burst it with a with a with a knife or with a hammer and they unscrewed everything and even a, even um a pipe for a waste pipe from the from the expensive coffee machine uh, opened a jubilee clip with a screwdriver so they 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 took everything carried it out. And um, they had already gone with the um, PA systems from uh, belonging to Michael Delaney and the Leash County Council PA systems um, gone. They, they even took the bags that they came in. Actually, everybody was just horrified. It was just pure shock that this never came across our radar. To, to, to think we were going to be robbed was not on the radar uh, at all. It, it didn't you, you look, you're in the car park building, so it's louver windows on the side and there's shutter doors and it's a concrete roof, a concrete wall, concrete ceiling. What can happen? You know, so we couldn't believe it. We just couldn't believe it. And it, it, it was looking at one another. Did this, did this happen? <laughs> Absolutely it happened. They took hampers, a few hampers as well. Um they helped themselves to anything. We we thought there were there was more, you know, if they, if they if they'd done more damage, we'll say, but they hadn't time to do much more damage. They were on a mission to rob what they wanted, the value, um, and they certainly did that. They certainly took they had a, they had a plan. They, they had gone at twelve thirty. They came back at sometime after two, and they took the rest. You know, so um, and robbed the most expensive pieces of equipment. Okay. Coffee machines, they're, they're 10,000 quid for, 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 for coffee machines, plus, the, you know what I mean? They're very, very expensive things. Um, they clean you out, you know. What, so what do you do? You have to start the conversations with insurance and you have to start, what am I going to do now? How, how is all this going to be replaced? I chair these taste. I asked everybody to come. I encouraged anybody that, that was possibly able to come to come. And uh, now um, some of them have been robbed. Um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not what I wanted to be on Christmas week. Uh, I didn't know where they wanted to be either, but I certainly did not intend, uh, nor did any of the least kind of council people, anybody, 
intend that this was uh, the um, going to be the outcome for the first um, market in 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 the in that building. What's the plan for Thursday? Well, uh, yes, we had to close because the guard um, uh, guard came in, and then the guard forensic unit came in, and they 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 spent a good bit of time looking and talking, taking statements, uh, checking CCTV. Um, every everything had to be done. We had to um, uh, had to take the advice of the guardie, and then um, so that took us yesterday and today to try and steady ourselves to see what we would do. Um, senior management of Leash County Council had to. Um, um, had to stand in and um, work with us to see what is best to do. So between everybody, the decision was made to um, not to give in to this tuggery, not to give in to uh, that type of behaviour, um, to continue, to continue and uh, see it through. We, we, we're opening at 12 o'clock. Uh, Edward Hayden, the celebrity chef, is coming. We're going to have a good day for sure. And uh, we're going to operate Friday and Saturday as planned. We'll be closing at five o'clock on Saturday evening. We're, we're going to continue. We're going to continue. And uh, that's what the, the, the whole thing with, with the small producers is. Um, you get knocked down, you get knocked back. Uh, you have to uh, steady yourself, uh, dust yourself off, get going again. And um, resilience is, is, is what this is about, trying to uh, keep going. And uh, what can we expect? Will the market have to be any smaller given the circumstances or what's the market going to, to look like from Thursday? The market won't be any smaller. The market might be a little bigger. There's, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of more uh, stall holders um, um, uh, uh, has offered um, their, 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 their stalls to come and we hope to have about a half a dozen more stalls as, 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 as not, not less stalls. So that's, that's the plan. Um, and we hope to have a, a with, with with Edward Hayden on tomorrow. We hope to have a, a great footfall. There's there's the, he's a he's a he's a big name uh, celebrity chef. Um, he's uh, the only the only bit of cooking that I'm good at is boiling an egg. So I'd hope to learn a little more. But um, it, it's it's we we're we're looking to do we're looking to do big and be, bigger and better things. So that just to clarify reopens today. And hopefully, if you are in Port Leash, you can support if you have a few minutes to spare. Brian Brennan speaking with Midlands 103's Rachel Timoney. Petrol, diesel, electric or hybrid, passenger or commercial, new or used. Find your new 241 Peugeot at Lockool Motors Lockshever Mullingar with immediate delivery available on selected models. Don't wait. Call in today to see the full 241 Peugeot range in petrol, diesel, hybrid or fully electric. Lockoolmotors.ie Now, plenty of comment, as you would imagine, concerning the five people who have been sent forward for trial accused of withholding information during the Ashling Murphy investigation. And, as you know, uh, one of those is the wife of Josef Pushka, who was convicted of Ashling's murder. And I'm not ignoring your texts and comments by any means, but when a court case is ongoing, commenting on what should be the outcome in your opinion and what should be the sanction is just not something that you can publish. So we will certainly do so at the conclusion of the court's process. But thank you for the messages regardless. Will it's fair to say Johnny Flaherty lit the flame for a generation of young Offaly kids in 1981 with the never-to-be-forgotten goal against Galway. That goal and the team more widely 
were responsible for the great days that followed for Offaly hurling. He was a superbly skilful hurler who could have played in any era, says a very fitting text. And in the next hour, we pay tribute to Johnny Flaherty, who has passed away. A caller asks, is property tax at the same rate as it was last year? Which county are you in? And correct me if I'm wrong, Sinead, I don't think any councils varied their property tax in the forthcoming budget for 2024, so it should be staying at the existing rate. Will, no room at the inn or the prisons in this case, so please, will the powers that be let Enoch Burke out and keep the murderers and the racists in jail? Wake up, TDs, says John. Another caller says, Will, I witnessed a lady in Athlone stealing a beautiful coat and she was staying in a hotel at taxpayers' expense. What will be done? And one other message regarding Frankie Kina. Is he suggesting that people who are involved in violence don't deserve medical treatment? I don't think that was his point. He was frustrated that the Gordy, rather than attending the scene where the violence had taken place, had prioritised seeing this individual in the station, calling the ambulance. And I suppose it's all about the resources. Could one person have maybe tended to his needs while another went to the scene to investigate and to see if it was all over? Anyway, this relates to an earlier call from Frankie Keena, a member of Westmeath County Council, actually, who noticed two men starting to fight with each other and in doing so caused damage to a car and to a business premises. But it took an hour and 20 minutes for the Gorthy to arrive on the scene, even though the station is 500 metres away. And there are plenty of texts about Garda response times, and I'll come back to those after 11. Also, in the next hour, why at long last it's going to be illegal to sell vapes to under-18s as and from tomorrow. And renewable energy. One of the big criticisms, particularly of wind farms versus peat harvesting, is that you don't employ nearly as many people to monitor wind farms as to work on the bogs. So what sort of jobs, if any, in significant numbers, can we expect from renewable energy? Good morning. Now, still on the menu today, how many jobs can renewable energy realistically create here in the Midlands? Wind farms will never have as many people working on them as bogs, as peat harvesting. Certainly not on an ongoing basis, whatever about in construction. Also, awfully GAA plunged into sadness after the passing of the legendary hurler Johnny Flaherty. More details on that from half past 11. And indeed, your own memories and some lovely texts being shared from listeners not just in the faithful county, but far beyond. And your chance to win a midweek break for you and somebody special at the Knightsbrook Hotel, Spa and Golf Resort. And you can enjoy this on the Midlands 103 Advent Calendar. 
I'll tell you more in just a few minutes' time. It seems hard to believe, but as of right now, it's not illegal to sell vapes to children. But that is going to change as and from tomorrow. The sale of vaping products and e-cigarettes to people under the age of 18 will be banned, a measure that Health Minister uh, Stephen Donnelly had pledged to introduce before Christmas. Finnegale Senator for Longford, Micheál Carragy, has been telling Midlands 103's David Hollywood he's relieved the measure comes into place at last. Uh, most definitely. Um, it's something I've been putting a pushing on, I suppose, behind the scenes within the rock to say, you know, that this legislation was brought in and I think, perfectly honest, it should have been brought in sooner. As you know, I've seen firsthand myself, particularly when you're visiting um, post-primary schools, um, the significant large number of us, very young uh, children, um, some as young as 10, 11 years of age, but, you know, particularly those at 12 or in first year in post-primary school that are now addicted um, to, to vapes and you know, you know, we have a serious, you know, problem ahead of us. Um, I, I, I've heard stories anecdotally uh, from people working with kids in the, the schools and working in local family resource centres, where actually some of the, you know, shops in certain areas are actually selling these vapes um, outside of the, the the school the schoolyard, um, and selling them, you know, cheaply at the beginning to try and get kids addicted on them. And the reality is, there's nicotine in it the same as is in cigarettes and you know they're dangerous for uh, children's children's health so it's it's not before time that this uh, was brought in but I, I think actually we need to go further and bring in stronger legislation and ban any, any sort of advertising ban um, all the various flavours because you know I think it's a, a mechanism for a lot of these cigarette companies to get around you know promoting uh, the sale of them we need to take the same stance that we took on cigarettes with regard to play and packaging with regard to them not being you know, allowed to advertise them, you know, front of shop that they're in behind um, blank shelves. So I think that's the, the route we need to go. These these companies are making significant, you know, profits of them. And ultimately, it's at our children's health um, that's going to suffer because of it. As you just said there, whilst it's positive they are being banned in terms of under 18s, is the danger that the genie is very much out of the bottle at this point that they were too available to too young a cohort for too long and um, we're going to see substantial consequences in the future? I, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm, a, I'm a retailer um, myself. I implemented the policy of over 18 for it, as did other shops in, in my own local village. You know, all three of us had the, the same policy, but we were one of very few that did that. Um, you've seen shops pop up in nearly every single town and village in the country uh, solely uh, selling these vapes. So there's significant profits to be made. And I can see, uh, I think we need to take a very proactive stance now because there's so many youngsters that are addicted uh, to these. They're not going to get the availability in some shops, but we need to make sure um, that the shops that have heretofore been selling it to, to, to children as young as 11 and 12 years of age are are, are stopped from it and that, you know, the significant um, consequences that have been put, put in place for them that they're actually Im- implemented. So I, I think we have a serious problem ahead of us. And as I say, some of these shops are actually selling them outside um, the schoolyard and mm-hmm. we need to proactively make sure that this, this, this is discontinued. In terms of 
addressing what uh, the particular change in the law that will take effect tomorrow. Um, obviously, it's common sense uh, to you and I from the perspective of t- not make uh, making nicotine products unavailable to, to ch- uh, children under 18. Uh, what needed to be done in a legislative sense? What were the hurdles or obstacles or challenges uh, involved in uh, delivering this change in this country? Well, I, I think... Ultimately, we need to look at actually some of the models that are taking place in the likes of Australia, where they're actually looking to ban cigarettes uh, completely. The reality is there is no positives to actually spoken. There's nothing but negatives to it. And it's, it, you know, the consequences on the health service and on, on, on our state and every single country is multi-billion spent um, in, 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 in dealing with the consequences of people uh, smoking, apart from the fact that, and I don't know the exact figure, X number of thousands of people actually die in this country. Uh, from smoking, so I think we need to take a very strong stance. We did do it when when, when we stopped um, put the ban on indoors one of the first countries in the world to do so. I think we need to take stronger steps and completely ban uh, smoking altogether in this country and start a similar process as it did in Australia with the start of moving it up to certain age groups ultimately and then putting the investment into helping people um, get off cigarettes. And I'm the person I'm speaking as a an ex-smoker myself, I'm, thanks to God, 22 years off them. Um, but I'd had in, in my younger days, I did, and I, I don't know how difficult it was to get off them, but thankfully I am, and I'm the better of it. And, but I, as I say, I think that's, that's what we need to, need to do as a state. We need to actively go ahead and go at putting the processes in place and completely banning um, both, both cigarettes and vapes from sale at all within the country. What would the challenges, the obstacles be to doing that? Um, look, there's always groups that object to anything that ever government uh, proposed, but I think we've brought in, as I said, the, the, the ban on smoking indoors um, was, a, was was seen as a drastic step at the time, mm. but ultimately it was successful. We need to educate the younger generation um, to the negatives of, of smoking, because the reality is there are no positives to it. It's a significant cost to them, and it's going to damage your health or ultimately kill you at an early age in life. So we need to educate, as I said, the, the younger generation to what it actually means and cut off, you know, the supply that's there of cigarettes openly, you know, it, it, from a retail point of view. And I think that's the, the process we need to look at. As other countries have started to do it. We need to start looking at it ourselves. The HSE had previously, and I think they still do, used vapes for uh, adults who are looking to give up smoking as a way of stepping down off uh, smoking habits. It, would you still maintain you want a, an outright ban on all nicotine products and people would have to tackle the experiences you described having to do so yourself uh, of, of giving up tobacco products or nicotine products uh, without maybe some of the assistance like vapes? Oh, no, I, I think you need, to, you need to put something in place like that. And if, if, if vapes were on a prescription basis to help people get off cigarettes, I see them, definitely see uh, the merit in that. But ultimately, it's means to an end of, of getting people to stop stop smoking. Because as I said, the reality is there are no positives um, to having even one cigarette. It's, it's damaging your health. Um, and as I say, significant thousands of people die every year from it. But then there's also a massive multi-billion euro cost on our health service, you know, dealing with the consequences of it also. 
And uh, I suppose the final point, it's not necessarily as important as what you've been discussing beforehand, is that they're very much an environmental hazard, disposable vapes, and, and that's building up as an issue as well. That's it. You're using plastics, you have little batteries in them. So, as I say, there are no positives, only the fact that they can actually help people stop smoking. But I think that needs to be done, you know, prescribed uh, for people looking to get off cigarettes not being freely available within stores. Michal, I much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Still on the agenda, the late, great Johnny Flaherty, remembered by, among others, the chairperson of the Offaly County Board and so many faithful supporters expressing their sympathies, but also their fondness for what he achieved, especially back in the 1980s. Now, next, your chance to win a midweek break for you and somebody special to enjoy the Knightsbrook Hotel in Trim in County Meath with complimentary canapes and Prosecco on arrival. Very, very nice indeed. Midlands Today with Will Buckner. Find out what you missed earlier at midlands103.com. Edward Dowling says giving up smoking is a case of mind over matter and willpower. And if there was political willpower, the vape shops should be closed altogether. A caller says the vape ban won't work because older kids can get them and pass them on to the younger kids. Thanks, Anne, for your message. A listener who is an ex-retail worker was always under the assumption that selling cigarettes and vapes had been an over-18s policy since day one. Correct on tobacco. Tobacco must be sold to over-18s only. But there's been this incredible gap where vaping products didn't qualify and so could be sold to children. It reminds perhaps of the head... Remember the head shops a couple of years ago where all of these synthetic grey area drugs could be purchased and we were very slow to change the rules. We've been even more slow in the case of vaping products because they were brought into the market initially as a stop smoking aid. Hmm. Will, if the government was to place a higher tax on the profits of companies producing and importing the vaping products they wouldn't be nearly so easy to get. Placing the tax on the consumer doesn't stop the sale. But if the companies couldn't make as much profit, then they would be less inclined to supply. That's not a bad school of thought, is it? Thanks for your message. And Avril O'Brien in Leash, thank you for your entry to the Advent Calendar Online only, midlands103.com. Please don't text or WhatsApp. Now, let's return to the issue of renewable energy. And as we read in the Irish Times today, some positive news where in power generation, we are significantly less reliant on fossil fuels than was the case even only a year ago, down by 80%. So, with renewables becoming more and more part of the power generation mix, what will be the impact on jobs? 
will we ever see as many people working in wind farms, solar facilities, anaerobic digesters, as had once been the case when Bord Nimona was at its peak in peat harvesting. What does that future look like? Well, let's stare into the crystal ball. to protect brought to you by Midlands 183 the IBI and funded by Commission the Man with a television license fee check out hours to protect.ie for more information on this week's hours to protect Ireland is making significant strides towards a sustainable future and the renewable energy sector is at the forefront of this movement as the nation transitions towards cleaner energy sources, a multitude of job opportunities are emerging. James Delahunt is the corporate finance partner of KPMG Sustainable Futures and he says renewable energy sites can bring an economic boost to the local community. Yeah, like I think it's very significant. Ultimately, the energy transition represents one of the largest capital investments in the history of the state that mobilizes both public and private sector capital. And that money will be spent in the development and construction of new generation assets uh, and the development of grid, etc. And what's interesting is that capital is going to be spent all over the country, particularly uh, in regional rural areas, uh, and in particular uh, the Midlands being, uh, given the nature of its topography, and land is is very much central to that. So there are um, existing supports in the renewable energy um, support scheme, uh, RES, which is ultimately it contains a mandatory community benefit fund of two euros per megawatt hour for all generation projects to be used for the wider economic, environmental, social, and cultural well-being of local communities like the Midlands. So the, those community benefit funds under uh, the RES auction, the first. Res auction actually deliver close to 4 million euro a year of sustainable community initiatives. So as we see more projects being built out across the country and in particular across the Midlands, those, those community funds will be larger. In addition, there's stable, it results in stable electricity generation um, for local homes and businesses that benefit from that as we have independent sources of energy, uh, increased job creation, which I'll go on to talk about in terms of the profile of jobs, but ultimately the 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 construction of these projects and the operation and long-term ownership of these projects requires a lot of people working on them and skills working on them in the local area. Uh, and then there's it, it also provides that reliable power supply, which, you know, events, global events over the last two years has illustrated the importance of that. So if you think about the kind of um, the construction of these projects, um, it's it's a lot of the sort of jobs that would be in the planning system as they go through the planning regime. And in order to do that, uh, there's needs for uh, types of ecologists, uh, planning consultants, engineers, but also uh, as as then it's constructed, it's probably more the traditional uh, construction related jobs that you know wouldn't necessarily be renewable specific, but gives opportunity for that. And then in terms of the long term ownership, there's a wide range of engineering jobs, electrical engineering, um, structural engineering types, but also uh, these are very valuable uh, assets for the for the asset owners for the country so there's there's roles for accountants financiers lawyers um uh, planning consultants as well in terms of the overall ownership operation and and, and maintenance so um according to a i think a government study called skills for zero carbon the demand for renewable energy 
residential retrofit and electric vehicle deployment skills to 2030 that in order to deliver on the climate action plan targets, employment in wind and solar energy will have to quickly increase to 8,000 within a number of years and ultimately stand at 9,000 by 2030. Uh, and, and, And finally, what we're also seeing, we do a lot of work internationally is Ireland is ahead of other European countries and global countries in terms of their level of deployment of renewable energy. Ultimately, the skills that we're developing in this will be in demand and are in demand in the global economy as other countries uh, evolve into their transition on, into renewables. And one of the kind of global organizations, IRENA, have a renewable energy jobs report. And in their last annual review said that worldwide employment in renewable energy will be greater than 38 million by 2030. So the skills that we're developing in the Midlands and beyond will be skills that can be exported over the long run. A number of projects are being planned for the Midlands region. Well, well if you look at the kind of the profile of the of the, of the land of the Midlands, it's, it's land that is ideally suited to a lot of the onshore wind projects that we see and solar projects because um, it's largely kind of good flat land and in areas is 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 of, of high wind and, and reasonable irradiation for solar. So um, practical examples is the Bordenamona Energy Parks. They're expected to develop over 200 megawatts of wind, solar and green hydrogen technology on about seven and a half thousand acres of its land banks in County Meath, Offaly and Westmeath. And um, this is attractive to industrial and high demand energy users, such as large distribution facilities and data centers. Um, and then there's co-location of projects is more sustainable and more optimal use of grid assets. Uh, similarly, in 2021, ESB had unveiled plans to replace traditional power plants with new renewable energy centers. So they have um, you know, demolished large industrial power stations and are looking for new use of plant and equipment from power plants. So they had identified Shannon Bridge, Offaly and lanes were long for its sites to include new energy storage capabilities in the future and they confirmed the transfer of a 5 million euro to the Just Transition Fund and exploring development of part of the Midland sites for use by community groups. There will also be opportunities for small-scale renewable energy projects where local people and farmers can contribute in a meaningful way to the climate agenda. They're being rolled out in kind of different areas uh, of government departments and um, some examples is there's currently the micro generation support scheme uh, or SS as it's called, which has allowed consumers, businesses and farmers to sell electricity back to the grid from installations of between 6.1 kilowatts and 50 kilowatts. And domestic applicants can apply to the SEAI for a grant towards the cost of installing solar PV equipment up to a maximum of 2,400 euro. Um, similarly, there's SRES, as it's called. So the government is currently developing the small scale renewable energy generation auction, which should provide communities a chance to build out communal projects through structures such as cooperatives and development trusts. Um, eligible project size will be greater than 50 kilowatts, but smaller than typical commercial generators. And the scheme should be available to community or local or SME projects from 2024, according to the SRES high level design. Mr. Delahunt says the short short to medium term future is very exciting. This is ultimately one of the greatest megatrends that we're going to see in our time is the, is the energy transition uh, from brown to green. The Midlands and the 
nature of the parties that are operating in the Midlands are absolutely central to that. It's going to create increased job creation and upskilling of local talent as fossil fuels are phased out and, and Ireland strives to reach net zero uh, by 2050. Uh, it's going to result in continued investment in the projects in the Midlands with uh, significant players such as ESB and Board Nimona proving their dedication to the development of land banks across the Midlands and more industry players will follow suit. Um, and what I'd like to see personally is more community ownership of projects. So if you look at countries like Denmark, where there were a leader in renewable energy sector and emphasised the need for community engagement with 20% of all new wind projects requiring uh, 20% community ownership, for example. So we think that there is um, very significant investment uh, and, and, and uh, construction of projects, which is going to be exciting to see. And if we actually think longer term, the technology and rate of change in this industry is fascinating. So what we're building now, you know, ultimately those assets will produce power, but there's going to be what they call ancillary technologies around those assets developed. Uh, and we're seeing that uh, both both in onshore and, and, and offshore sectors as well. So I think that it's a, it's a very exciting time. And, and I think in the context of renewable energy in the Midlands, the future is bright. For more information about working in the renewable energy sector, see ourstoprotect.ie or there's a fact sheet on midlands103.com. Now, if you have a project you're involved in your own community with and perhaps it's achieving something that we should be celebrating in terms of our environment, then please do get in touch and let us know all about it. Studio at midlands103.com. Whatever the weather this festive season, all of us at Class Oil and Flynn Fuels would like to extend warm Christmas and New Year wishes to our valued customers. We look forward to seeing you throughout 2024. Midlands Today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Student Leap Card on board Bus Erin services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today. At Centra, we've got amazing Christmas cracker offers from now until the big man arrives. Like Centra smoked salmon, 300 gram, half price now 4.99. Selected fruit and veg like carrots and Brussels sprouts, any three for 2.50. And Guinness 15 can pack, only 24.85. Perfect for Christmas. Shop smart, feel festive at Centra. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Ishka Erin is Ireland's national water utility, responsible for delivering clean, safe, and reliable national public drinking water and wastewater services for Ireland. For any questions about public water services or to report an issue in your area, we can be contacted 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on 1800 278 278 or visit water.ie. Ishka Erin. Delivering water services for Ireland. Forest Fest is back for 2024, July 19th to July 21st, featuring Travis, the Human League, Dexie Midnight Runners, and lots more to be announced. The ideal Christmas gift. A Forest Fest ticket is not just for Christmas, the memories are forever. Over 50 acts across four stages next July at Emo Village County Leash. All information and tickets available from forestfest.ie, the Midlands Best Festival. Employers. Clevercards is the only Irish company where you can order digital MasterCards online. Instantly email digital Clevercards to your employees or contractors. Anywhere, anytime means late delivery never arises. Clevercards are saved in your mobile phone, so you always know your balance. Small and large businesses use Clevercards because they are accepted everywhere, online and in-store using Apple Pay or Google Pay contactlessly. First €1,000 tax-free order online now from Clevercards.com. 
Clever Cards Mastercards are issued pursuant to Clever Cards Interbank Agreement with Mastercard. E-money's access with Clever Cards Mastercards are safeguarded and regulated by the central bank under EU payment service regulations. Clever Card is certified by Apple Pay and Google Pay. Terms and conditions apply. How do you go from sitting on your couch watching TV to running a marathon? Can it be done? How do you do it? Can anyone do it? It's Peter Dunn here and that's exactly what I'm planning to do over the next 19 weeks. Now, if you never had any desire to do something like this, then guess what? Neither have I. So join me on this journey every Wednesday on Breakfast and Midlands today as we explore what's involved and talk to the people of the Midlands who have been there and done it. And during this journey, we're going to try and raise as much money as we can for the amazing children's charity Barrettstown. We're calling it Get Active with Midlands 103 and it's powered by HearMed Healthcare in the heart of Tullamore. Here when you need us. HearMed.ie Wish me luck. Here with the news and views that you can use. Midlands Today with Will Faulkner. Midlands 103. And what an ovation for the crowd, for the late Johnny Flaherty. Our sports editor, David Hollywood. Good morning. Good morning, Will. So we heard the sad news yesterday of Johnny's passing. I understand he was ill for some time and, and battled bravely. For people beyond the faithful county, just remind us of the calibre of player he was. That's a good way of putting it, actually. The calibre of player he was. It wasn't just his achievements. It was the style with which he did it. And when you look at the achievements, then they stand up against um, any scrutiny as well. Uh, Led awfully to back to back Leinster championships in 80 and 81. And it was that 1981 campaign that uh, awfully won their first All-Ireland Hurling Championship. It was... um, 6th of September 81 against Galway that uh, Offaly and Johnny Flaherty uh, won Liam McCarthy and brought it back to Offaly he won an all-star for that uh, performance as well Uh, Michael Dignan will have been one of many who at that stage in their lives would have been looking up to such a player he joins us on the programme this morning Uh, Michael from your perspective what was it like watching uh, Johnny Flaherty play? Uh, sure, look, he was a genius, uh, really. You know, one of Offaly's greatest ever players. There's no argument about that. Um, I suppose he epitomised what Offaly hurling is all about: flair, skill, self-belief, confidence, swagger. You know, he had it all. And and you have to remember that in 1981, that you know Johnny had been in America throughout the 70s, and he had played in the 1969 Leinster final. Um, you know, he was playing from the mid 60s with Kennedy. I think 67 to won the championship. Um, so he had an awful lot of hurling done by 1981 and he, he'd he only come back a couple of years previously and settled back in Ireland. And um, so, look, it, it was some achievement to do that, to be away from the game and to still be able to play at that level, uh, at the highest levels. And um, he was 30, 34 years of age in 81 and he was one of the leaders of the team. But look, he was he was a fantastic natural hurler and uh, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's hard to believe, you know, he's gone. Anyone that would know him, and Johnny was a great friend of mine, um, he was he was young at heart, and you kind of felt he'd be around forever. You know, he was one of those people. He was he was he looked after himself really well. He was an exceptionally fit man. Um, you know, and he had such a he had such a draw for life. And um, you know, he had a short illness. He battled it bravely, but unfortunately, um, he passed away yesterday. Yeah, and our sympathies go to his family, of course, and uh, to those who knew him closely, like yourself, Michael. Mick Spain just called into the newsroom this morning before I went on air. He was the selector, I believe, when Johnny was playing for Offaly. He said, from a young age, out in the street, everybody could see that Johnny had a gift very few people had. He had a Mick, what a man Mick was, uh, 
a great great athlete man as well, still hale and hearty. Um, and um, but he was and look, there were exceptional men. I have to say, like you, Damian Martin was in goals in '69. He was still there in '81. Um, Pauly Corn, Pat Fleury, Gerald Coughlin, Joachim Kelly, um, you know the Corrigans, all these people um, that led that drove on during the during the seventies through a lot of dark times. And you know, I was as you mentioned in, in 1980. I was I was only 12 when when Offaly won the Leinster first. Mm-hmm. Pauly Corn was captain from my own club, and then and 81. Then when when they won the All and all of us lads at that age, like five years later, we won a minor All Ireland in '86. Obviously, the lads came in '85 as well. But you know, those were the men that laid the foundations for Offaly hurling. Like it's, it's I suppose when you're winning, it's, it's easier to win. But they, you know, they made the breakthrough, and and um, you know, and and Johnny never lost that love of Offaly. He never lost that ambition. Um, he's tr- he he had a special um, talent to, to deal with young people, and he loved young people, and he believed in Offaly coming back, and that we believed that we shared that Offaly could come back and could compete again and could win all Ireland again. And he took massive pleasure in the last few years where Offaly Underage has, has been on the rise and, you know, never missed a match. Um, loved Hurling, uh, used to go to Kilkenny when they were at their peak to go and watch them train at that time. You know, so he just, he just, he, he lived for the game and, um, and you know, and loved Offaly as was deeply like, like all of us do. You mentioned he's young, he was young at heart and that he had a very vibrant personality. Talk to us about what kind of person Johnny was off the pitch. He was great fun. He was mischievous, <laughs> full, full of, full of development, really. You know, and um, I suppose golf was his big passion um, after hurling, and we all played. You know, Pat Cleary and myself and the Dooleys and Dahi Regan. You know, we'd all be regular. Paddy Kerwin would have all played golf with Johnny, and a great golfer. Um, I see Shane Lowry talking about him yesterday. I actually played with the two of them one day in Esco Hills, and Johnny Eagle the first hole is a par five. Um, playing with Shane, and Shane is still looking at him to see how he, he drove the ball over the corner in the first. And, <laughs> And up, and that would be him. He was so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll show Lowry um, as it, this is the way he'd be. And the seven Joe played with him only last year when he had the hole in one and the par four in Esco Hills, the second hole. So he was fierce competitive and it didn't matter what he was doing, but he was great fun and he loved the chat. And look, invariably he came back to Hurland. That's just what the way it is with, with us, you know. It'd be, but but uh, look, Margaret, his wife, um, great businesswoman in town, she passed away very prematurely a few years ago. They were a great couple and uh, Sean and Claire, the two two girls, you know, um, I suppose both the parents now passing that so young and, and, and both of them were so full of full of life, great business people as well. Like Johnny, very successful man, a self made man, a very hard working man. And you know, just just a just a joy to be around really and uh, you'd always look forward to meeting them and you'd always leave them with a smile on your face. A testament to his passion for the sport as well. He was a hurley maker, a real advocate for Irish Ash as well. Yeah, well, look at yeah, up and and Fierce proud of his club Kennedy and had his workshop up there and never lost touch with his, with with Kennedy would be up there all the time um, with his friends up in Kennedy and his family and obviously a huge huge J family in Kennedy and what a club they've been for Offaly as well. Um, but he did he made the hurls. Um, it was it was a, a business for him, but it was a passion as well. Uh, you know, he'd be into loads of other stuff as well uh, in, in property and and so forth, but. He always loved getting up to Kennedy, making his hurls, and while he quite down in the, in the back in the back in the eighties, he would have driven all over Ireland in his van, you know, sell it was it was very much part of uh, of his of his livelihood. Um, um, but he also would take you know great pride in in in, in I suppose it was, it was another part of an extension of hurling for him as well, and kept him in touch with people. He knew people all over Ireland, like he he he'd be t- he was very very well known throughout the country um, from these hurling days, hurling making days. 
Michael, the final question is that ultimately Offaly Hurling is a national brand and it probably travels even further than that when you consider um, the likes of Shane Lowry and the Irish diaspora across across the world. Johnny Flaherty is part of that. What's his legacy to the sport? What's his legacy to Offaly? He's one of our all-time greats and, you know, I think if you look at the way he played, I mentioned it earlier, I think that's what Offaly is all about. You know, he, he has great vision. He has unbelievable uh, belief. He's great skill. Um, he he was a team player, but, you know, he wanted to win and he wanted Offaly to win. And I suppose it, ultimately he got the win and goal, you know, and uh, along with, as I mentioned, Paulie Cordemi, Martin, people like that, that just stay going and wouldn't believe that Offaly, you know, they wouldn't believe that we couldn't do it, that we couldn't win in Ireland, couldn't win in Leinster. And they're great people. And he was a leader of that team and he was an inspiration to us all. And I think we have produced players like that in Offaly, um, the Brian Whelans, the Dooley, Johnny Dooley's, the Dooley's, I suppose, the John Tries, the Johnny Pilkins, people that just catch the public imagination and that will always be spoken about when Hurling is spoken about. And when Offaly Hurling is spoken about, Johnny Flaherty will always be very close to the top of the tree. It's a great way of putting it, Michael. Thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Thanks, lads, and happy Christmas. Indeed, unto you. That's Michael Dagnan. And um, more sport coming on Midlands 103 at 1 o'clock. David, thank you. Thank you, Will. If you wish to pay your own tribute to the late Johnny Flaherty, then here's how you can reach me. Here with the news and views that you can use. Midlands Today. Midlands 103. John McNamara wants to say hello. He is travelling from Saudi Arabia to Athlone to return home for Christmas. And he's at the start of a 32-hour journey. Safe travels, John. Thanks for the good wishes. Love the picture, by the way. Weather looks rather different in Saudi Arabia this morning than it does in your native Athlone, where, I assure you, it is rather blustery and is set to continue that way for the coming hours. Indeed, Met Aaron has a yellow weather warning in place for much of the Midlands at the moment. Forecaster Aoife Keeley is with us. Morning, Aoife. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you. So how will conditions change over the next couple of hours? Will they improve, hopefully? Look, it's it's going to stay just fairly windy right through today, really right up to this evening. So there's not going to be a huge amount of change that anybody's going to feel. You know, we're going to have those very strong and gusty westerly winds continuing and they won't really ease until tonight. And even at that, the easing that we'll see tonight won't be that that much. You know, it's still going to be uh, fairly strong winds through a lot of tonight. So just something to keep definitely when people are maybe out travelling, whether it's home from work or school, um, conditions quite difficult. And also as well, um, any loose objects or whatever anybody might have out, uh, maybe just in them because those strong and gusty westerlies um, will kind of just keep uh, keep blowing in. On them. You can see on the Power Check app as well, it's causing some difficulties for ESB networks as electricity lines are disrupted by falling trees. When eventually will this gusty, windy outlook change? Yeah, so it it will kind of ease, we'll say, more tomorrow. So it'll be less windy by tomorrow. But still on the breezy side, we just won't have the same kind of strength to the winds. And really into Saturday and, and beyond, it, it does look like it's going to stay uh, quite blustery. Low pressure is never going to be too far from us over the coming few days. So things will just stay 
fairly unsettled and even when it's not windy it'll still be breezy. By the way, compulsory question since it is the 21st of December <laughs> and only a few days to go. White Christmas looking likely or unlikely? Very unlikely. Um, look, it, it's, um, it looks like there, there will be a bit of rain and, and definitely on Christmas Eve looks like it could be quite a wet day and it's it potentially going to stay um, quite wet through Monday, Christmas Day as well. Um, but nothing in terms of, of snow or sleet or anything like that. So the white Christmas not on the cards this year. Eva Keeley of Met Aaron. Have a lovely Christmas yourself. Thank you for taking you our too. call. Thank you. Peter has been in contact on text and asks, how did the three diesel-powered turbines currently being installed in Shannon Bridge fall into the category of green energy? Another listener, Jim, says they are renovating the power station to burn diesel. So when going full blast, it will burn 40 thousand litres of diesel per hour. How is that good for the environment? Well, these are questions we will certainly address in 2024 and thank you for sending them on. Ina in Mullingar. Morning, Ina. Regarding cigarettes and more to the point, the vapes and e-cigarettes, which will be illegal to sell to under 18s from tomorrow, she's wondering what qualifications do you need to sell such products. Can any Tom, Dick or Harry open a shop with zero qualifications? Unfortunately, yes, that is the answer. Ina would ban vaping completely. End of story. They are disgusting and addictive, in her view. That concludes the programme today. Thank you to Sinead for putting it all together. Thank you for listening. Carl is coming next with The Afternoon Show. Chat tomorrow morning from 10. Bye-bye. Midlands Today with Bus Erin. Use your TFI Young Adult or Students Leap Card on board Bus Erin services as part of the Transport for Ireland network. Visit buserin.ie today.